Welcome to the podcast for Zion Stone United Church of Christ, located in the Lehigh Valley of Pennsylvania. I'm Pastor Mike Landsman, and these podcasts are taken from my weekly Sunday morning sermons. We pray that they will bless you, and we would love for you to come visit us and make our church home, hopefully, become your church home. Here's what we have for today. So on Sunday, I had a problem with the audio, so I'm actually re-recording the sermon uh, today. So last Sunday, we began to look at the theme of past, present, and future promise, how Jeremiah's reference is the prophecy of the coming Savior. St. Paul's reference at First Thessalonians is for those who have experienced the coming of the Savior. And then St. Luke's reference is prophecy for the future. So we can say these three passages are about salvation in three senses. The promise of coming salvation, receiving of salvation, and salvation fully realized. This week we move on and we're going to look at the theme of past, present, and future preparation. When you work as a cook or a chef in a restaurant, how does it work? There's not just one person who's doing everything as the orders are called out. There's people (laughs) who before the restaurant even opens, who they come in and they chop up all the vegetables and they take care of trimming uh, the different cuts of meat and so forth. Everything is prepared beforehand. So when customers come in and begin to order, all the preparation work is complete. I once read a book where there was a gentleman who would come into the kitchen in the morning and all he does is gut, clean, and slice varieties of fish that his high-end restaurant cooks. He doesn't even cook. He just prepares the fish, and the chefs cook it, and then he cleans his knives, and he goes. Another good example of this preparation is very, very recently, my wife and I, we had our father-in-law build us some new front steps leading to our home because the concrete steps that we had were crumbling. And so what he did was, is he came, Uh, And he took a look at it. Now, what he didn't do is he didn't just come with a load of wood and then just start building and then just adjust it as he went. If he had done that, it would have been a disaster because that's not how you build. What he did was is he came to our home. He took measurements. He planned out everything that he was going to need, presented us with a list of what we needed. Then we went and we bought it. And then he went and he did the work. He prepared We could use example after example of how before a job or a task is begun, there has to be an underlying preparation to make sure the task is done correctly. This requires experience, patience, and planning. All things that we see reflected in the coming of Jesus in Scripture. It was necessary that the way be prepared for Christ. With that in mind, let's look at the texts we read earlier. The first one is from Malachi 3. 1 through 4. Behold, I send my messenger. He will prepare the way before me. And the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple. And the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight, behold, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. But who can endure the day of his coming? And who can stand when he appears? For he is like a refiner's fire and like fuller's soap. He will sit as a refiner and purifier of silver. And he will purify the sons of Levi and refine them like gold and silver. And they will bring offerings and righteousness to the Lord. Then the offering of Judah and Jerusalem will be pleasing to the Lord as in the days of old and it is in the former years. This theme of preparation is very straightforward here in today's readings. And they focus on the work of St. John the Baptizer. 
St. John was the son of the priest Zechariah and his wife Elizabeth, who was a relative of the Virgin Mary. The work we see referred to here in Malachi is that a messenger is coming and that this messenger is going to prepare the way for the coming of the Lord. After this messenger prepares the way, then the Lord will come to the temple. And then once the Lord returns to the temple, a great purification is going to take place. And he uses the example in Malachi of the refiner's fire. Right, The refiner's fire is where metal is heated to an incredible degree, and the impurities in that metal are burned away, leaving a pure material. And this idea of, of Fuller's soap, where you would have uh, tubs of water, and what people would do, there would be an alkaline substance in there, which was the soap. And then the way the clothes would be washed is they would be treaded upon or stomped upon with the feet or with, uh, with bats in these big tubs of water. Some people say that this is a reference to heavy sins, necessitating the fire to cleanse, and then lighter sins, which necessitates the laundering with the soap. I don't think that's quite the point. I think the point here is, but with both examples, is, is that when the Lord comes back, the, God, the, the process of God purifying his people and making them holy is going to be intense. And it's also worth noting here the recipients of the action in this verse, the sons of Levi. Well, who are the sons of Levi? Well, they are the priestly caste who went about performing temple rituals. They will be refined, and then they will be able to bring offerings in righteousness. And there's this aspect here of purification of worship. And then it makes us think back, who is the father of St. John the Baptizer? Well, Zechariah. And what is Zechariah? He is a priest. And so we see this all beginning to occur Everything that's spoken of here, the messenger is coming. Preparation is coming. This brings us to the passage in the gospel according to St. Luke. Luke 3, 1 through 6 says, In the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, Pontius Pilate being governor of Judea, and Herod being tetrarch of Galilee, and his brother Philip, tetrarch of the region of Eturia and Trachonitis, and Lysanias, tetrarch of Abilene, during the high priesthood of Annas and Caiaphas, the word of God came to John, the son of Zechariah, in the wilderness. And he went into the, all the region around the Jordan, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. As, as it is written in the book of the words of Isaiah the prophet, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Every valley shall be filled, every mountain and hill shall be made low, and the crooked shall become straight, and the rough places shall become level ways, and all flesh shall see the salvation of God. Luke begins this portion by citing a bunch of names. The Tetrarchy was a split division of rulership of the surrounding areas, and the high priest Annas and Caiaphas are also named here. And so why does Luke do this? Well, he does this because he is situating the events of salvation history into actual history. This occurred at a particular place in time, and here are the behind-the-scenes figures, political and religious, who also, by the way, pop into the story of Jesus. Luke then says this, The word of God came to John, the son of Zechariah, in the wilderness. And this is very interesting language that's used here. And careful readers of Scripture will pick up on this. Especially Jeremiah and Ezekiel, we see this phrase all the time. And we can also see it in the story of Abraham. And this phrase, the word of God came to, is used in regards to the work of the prophet. St. Luke is setting St. John the Baptizer in the mode of Old Testament prophet, and indeed he is the last Old Testament prophet. When that phrase is used, it means that God has spoken to the prophet and has tasked them with a specific mission and a specific message. 
And so for John, his message is the proclamation of repentance in baptism. And his mission is what Isaiah says, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. His mission is preparation. So St. John comes along and starts preaching to people, repent, and telling them to be baptized. Now the Jewish religion of that time had washings for various ceremonial purposes. And one of the purposes was to receive non-Jews who wanted to convert. Male converts from outside the Jewish world, after their circumcision, were baptized in water, and then they were in. So essentially, John is baptizing people who are already part of God's covenant people. Can you see why the religious leaders were perplexed and offended by him? Just like the Old Testament prophets were not heeded by those in authority, so too it is with St. John. Why is he doing this? Because his task, his mission, his message is preparing the hearts of those who receive it to receive the coming Messiah. What Malachi spoke of is also taken up by Isaiah, who expands it even further by saying that all the crooked places will be straightened and all flesh will see the salvation of God. All flesh will see it. It doesn't say all flesh will experience the salvation of God, though. And the salvation of all flesh will be accomplished by what occurred a chapter earlier, namely the word of God taking upon himself human flesh through the womb of the Blessed Virgin. And in Philippians 1, through, uh, 1, 9 through 11 says, And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and discernment so that you may approve what is excellent and be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. In the Philippians reading, we see something interesting at work. Paul is happy because the church at Philippi has partnered truly with him in his ministry. They supported him on his mission, and they supported him when he was in prison for the sake of the gospel. As a result, he prays that their love would abound more and more. This should sound familiar because he said something similar to the Thessalonian church, which we heard read last week. He prayed that the love that they have would grow and grow, and that that love would abound. Not that just the love would also abound here in the Philippians portion, but also discernment and knowledge. He talks about growing in love, but also in discernment and knowledge. Because it's not going to be profitable for them, right, if indiscriminate love turns them away from the faith. As St. John Chrysostom reminds us, receive no spurious doctrine under pretense of love. So this is important to St. Paul because the outcome of their abounding, uh, their abounding in love is preparing something for them. What is it preparing for them? And he says this in verse 10 and 11 of Philippians 3, Be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness. So just like the Thessalonians last week's reading, he's hoping here that the Philippian church, that the love that they share in will enable them to love more and live rightly, so that when Christ returns, they can stand blameless. Because let's not forget, in Advent, we are also reminded, especially in last week's reading, that judgment is coming. Yay! <laughs> Go in peace. <laughs> no, we have to remember that. We have to keep this in mind that part of the Advent message isn't just prepare your hearts for the coming of the Savior. Part of the Advent message is prepare your hearts for the coming of the Savior again, because he is coming again to judge the living and the dead. Judgment is coming. But we balance out that knowledge that judgment is coming by preparing our hearts in the way. 
that St. John prepared the hearts of his own people for the coming of Jesus. We also balance that out with the understanding that God is the one who began the work in us. And like St. Paul says in verse 6 here, Philippians 3, God will bring it to completion. God will bring it to completion. And as I stand up here exhorting you and encouraging you, I pray, brothers and sisters of Zion Stone Church and all those listening, that your love will abound, that your love will grow and grow, that you will show forth that love, and that you will all approve what is excellent, that your knowledge and your discernment and your love will all grow together. Because we are preparing our hearts for Christ, not just for Christmas, but we are growing and abounding in love so we can walk in and live out the way of Jesus Christ so that we will stand blameless before him when it's our time to stand before him, before his dread judgment seat. And so, brothers and sisters, this Advent leading into Christmas, I'd like to encourage you to find somebody in need of the love of Christ. The holiday season can be a horrible time for many people. So what I would encourage you to do, brothers and sisters, is that love that you have been shown, that God has given you, that work that God has begun in your hearts, this Advent season, find somebody who needs that love and then give them that love. And so to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, be all glory together with the Father who is from everlasting and is all holy, good, and life-giving spirit. Amen. Thanks for listening to the podcast for Zion Stone United Church of Christ. We have deep roots here in our community, and we predate the founding of the United States itself. If you're looking for a traditionally grounded, biblically faithful church, come visit us. We just might be the church you're looking for. If you'd like to email me, you can reach me at malandsman at gmail.com. Please be sure to check us out online, zionstoneucc.com, and check us out on Facebook at Zionstone UCC. Thanks again for listening, and God bless you.